Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into Lafayette's Interfaith Podcast, Colton Corner. I'm Lisa Green. I'm the Interfaith Fellow and also a part of Hillel. I'm so excited to be joined by my fabulous friend, Sarah Murphy. Yay. Hello, Um, everyone. Thanks for being here, Sarah. Of course. Yay. Okay. So, Sarah, if you could start us off by introducing yourself, telling us a little about yourself, like your year, your major, where you're from, what you do on campus, that kind of thing. Perfect. So my name is Sarah and I am a junior from Boston, Massachusetts. I am studying religion and politics after a long, difficult, confusing journey trying to decide (laughs) on a major. Um, And actually, upon discovering my passion for religion and politics, that's how I met Lisa and our wonderful third major um, buddy, Zubair. So I'll definitely talk more about that. But So coming into Lafayette, I kind of had this idea that I wanted to study something in government. I started off as a gov law major, Mm -hmm. switched to neuroscience, switched back to, you know, gov law, and then eventually found myself in religion and politics. And I would say this has been the first semester of really kind of capitalizing on that interest and kind of my other commitments on campus include um, I'm the co-president of PASA which is Parts Against Sexual Assault just to give a little promo to that organization and essentially the the goal of PASA is to spread awareness um, and education with the ultimate goal of preventing sexual assault and sexual Mm -hmm. violence on college campuses so it's been you know kind of interesting being able to create some type of overlap with my interests um, in religion and government and even psychology as well. And I've, I've kind of, um, you know, added in this perspective of passive president as well. So kind of the way that I like to describe myself and the way that I look at the world is like, you know, from a religion lens, from a like government and law lens mm-hmm. and from a psychology lens. And I think Lisa, you can definitely yeah. agree with that as well. And I think it just offers a really cool and unique perspective that I think not a lot of college kids have, but not a lot of people in general have as well. So yeah, that's like my inspo behind why I chose this major and kind of how it's been going for me so far. I love that. (laughs) So we will come back to that, like your journey of becoming passive president and what Mm -hmm. that process was like, how that's changed your mindset and your own spirituality and beliefs. But first, I want to start at the very beginning, Mm -hmm. you know, a very good place to start. Sound of music. Uh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) And um, I I want to start at the very beginning. So for anybody who doesn't know, what would you say your religious tradition is? Yeah, so I was um, raised as a Roman Catholic. I was baptized in the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. I was confirmed. I did, you know eight years of, you know, we called it CCD in my hometown, um, which was every Sunday we would go do classes in the church. And, you know, I remember growing up my kind of first association with any religious tradition was that it did feel a little bit like kind of a a chore at first to me when I was younger. I was like, oh, I don't want to wake up at, you know, 8 a.m. and go to these CCD classes. And You know, I just, it was very easy for me to view it as kind of like a hindrance to my, you know, my childhood freedom because Mm -hmm. I think, you know, during people's childhood, you obviously do have this like 
kind of sense of, you know, not real freedom, but it's kind of like you can do whatever you want and like figure out stuff about the world and like, you know, explore all these different places and all that. So I think having that structure that religion brought to me was definitely something new. The idea of like, you know, this is a weekly thing that we engage in. And my parents really tried to, you know, emphasize like going to mass after these CCD classes. So kind of long story short, it it served as like kind of my first introduction to like sort of a system of like structure and routine consistency. and consistency, yeah. right? And I think that was definitely new for me in my childhood. So it was it was a pretty, you know, pretty challenging adjustment for me just getting used to, you know, what it meant to, you know, really like listen and listen to what I was being taught in these classes and listen when I was in the masses. And, you know, as a child, I think it can, it can definitely be hard to grasp like the, the nature of what's going on. So for me at first, I never really felt too connected to my tradition. You know, my grandparents are both heavily, you know, Catholic, born and raised as well. They go every Sunday. Um, and my parents, I think, tried to instill that into me and my sisters, but also made it very clear that, like, you know, once you guys are confirmed, like, you don't need to, you don't need to necessarily stay within Christianity. It's kind of, they looked at it as um, they wanted us to have the opportunity to get married in a Catholic church if we so wish to, to do that. And with at least, you know, Roman Catholicism, um, you have to be, like, confirmed in the church to be able to do so. So that, you know, was kind of our reasoning for sticking with it. My parents, you know, thought it was very important. And looking back, I do think it was it was very important for my childhood and very transformative. And like I said, it offered kind of a new sense of structure that I did not have before. But I think, again, my point being like when you're a child it's kind of hard to grasp like what exactly is going on um and at least for me it was it was something that I didn't really feel much of an attachment to until I kind of became a teenager right yeah that makes so much sense was there a moment you remember you know when you were a teenager that it transformed from oh, I don't want to get it up at 8 a.m., you know, this is such an obligation, it's so forced to something more meaningful than that. I think it was probably, you know, and this is, this might be a little bit, like, of a unique experience in saying this, but Mm -hmm. I would say that realization didn't come from, you know, a certain, like, internal memory of, like, me being, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I was at a mass and I, you know, had this, you know, epiphany that I was really interested in this and passionate about it. I think more so it occurred the more that I was exposed to other people in different religions. And it kind mm-hmm. of made me take on this new sense of like, you know, because in America, I think it's, you know, it's one of the most common religious traditions to practice is Christianity. And at least where I was growing up, it was everybody else was, you know, practicing the same thing. We had these same traditions going to the same churches. And Mm -hmm. for a long time, I guess I didn't really feel any like individual tie to it. I was just like, oh, this is what everybody else is doing. You know, it's the norm. This is just how it is. Right. Right. And then, you know, as I started growing up and I I went to a non-denominational private high school. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, when I entered there, I was surrounded by kids of, you know, students of all different backgrounds and different religious experiences and traditions and kind of getting to know them and their relationship with their tradition. I think it made me be able to be in this place of like, okay, well, I actually, you know, do have a relationship mm -hmm. and it, it is there. And, you yeah. know, just because it's kind of felt not so present in my life doesn't mean like that relationship has not been here for, you know, 17 years. I think it was, I was 17 when I kind of had this realization and I'm only 20 now. So like <laughs> I spent a good portion of like, you know, my life so far, just viewing religion as kind of like a, this, like, um, you know, I don't want to say, yeah, this just kind of like day to day, you know, something that was a part of me, but I didn't really know why. And I didn't know, mm. you know, what it meant or, you know, what it meant in my relation to other people. Um, mm. so yeah, I think what really opened my eyes for that was actually being exposed to people of different traditions and backgrounds. That's so cool. Cause I feel like a lot of times people will say that maybe being exposed to diversity mm -hmm. will kind of weaken your beliefs, right. but it strengthened that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And again, it wasn't like, you know, upon meeting a friend who maybe practiced like Judaism, I wasn't like, you know, okay, so here's what they think. And like, this is what I think. And mm -hmm. hearing their story makes me believe mine more. It was, it was not so much as like, you know, which one do I believe more but you're right it's the mm -hmm. sense of like feeling kind of like my relationship was strengthened with yeah. it because you know even though you know I when I when I reflect on you know the Christian teachings and everything that I learned I you know there is it was a big part of my childhood and yeah, that kind of, of is a an underrated established connection that I guess I didn't realize until you know, my best friend in high school, she um, is Jewish and she has, you know, been to Israel a few times. She has, you know, taught me as much as she possibly can. She's taught me some Hebrew words and, you know, all about the different holidays I've been to, you know, a Seder ceremony before. So I, you know, in being able to do that, I, it made me realize like, oh, like, you know, so my Easter was like, you know, a, a practice of this tradition, my Christmas, my, you know, you know, what I did in second grade when I went and, you know, I for, I'm like blanking on what the ceremony was called. Um, penance. Oh, penance yeah. is what it is. And basically you're in like second grade and you kind of go and confess your sins to somebody behind this, um, this like, a like priest? yeah, it's a priest yeah. behind like a a screen or something mm -hmm. and you know you do it when you're so young and for me I remember being like oh I'm like you know dear god I'm sorry for not listening to my mom or yeah. something and the priest yeah. is like go do like five Hail Marys or right. something like that so it's this very you know it is a very ritualized process but I sort of just grew to to kind of not look at it as such and then mm -hmm upon this exposure to, you know, doing and learning different things with my friends of other religions, it made me realize like, oh wait, like, so those are traditions for them. Like what, what do my traditions look like? And yeah. what has my experience been with them? And, you know, looking back, I have celebrated Easter every year, Christmas. I have, you know, 
went to church, I've uh, participated in Lent, I have, you know, met all of these sacraments so far of the, the Catholic Church, and I guess, I, I just don't think I realized it, because I will, you know, I do think that Christianity is in some ways ingrained into American, American culture. culture. I, I, mean, we know the I say it all the time. Like yeah. it's, it's, and even I kind of, as like an older, you know, student now, I, I forget that like, I don't know mm. if your school did this, but like at my school, we would literally say the Pledge of Allegiance every single day, stand up in front and, and oh yeah, every room had an American flag. Oh, wow. um, yeah, very interesting. At your private school? Public school. Oh, okay, okay. Very interesting, creepy crossover between church and state. There. No boundaries. Like, no. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. Would, uh, you know, from from at least in Massachusetts where I live, from you know the day you started kindergarten, you were learning the Pledge of Allegiance before you learned your alphabet, and wow. you every single classroom would have a American flag in it. Every morning they would, you know, go over the loudspeaker and we would all recite it together in this weirdly uniform like you know kids under the age of 10 reciting this like you know one nation indivisible this basically like under god yeah this like not like this this chant with like really kind of like nationalist you know what i mean not to say yeah. that we're, you know it, it is making this really weird declaration of like you know we have our little kids we all think the same yeah way. we all yes exactly mm-hmm. like and you know it even weirder when it's ingrained from such a young age so I guess my point I'm trying to make is you know for me even though I was practicing all these traditions and you know really was like kind of living up to what it meant to be a a Christian it didn't feel like it because it just felt like oh this is what everyone is second nature yeah this is like ingrained into our our day-to-day so you know how is this so so special, I guess, is yeah. is how I viewed it. You know, something I've never really talked about that I'm thinking about now. My So I always went to religious mm-hmm. schools, um, just not the same religion. Yeah, right. So when I went to Jewish Day School, we actually said the Pledge of Allegiance every day. Really? Which is kind of interesting. That is interesting. And then when I went to a Christian school, or not Christian school, a Quaker school, right. which technically Christianity or Quakerism is Christianity. Right. But the way my school did it, it was much more spiritual and, like, the values of Quakerism, right. not necessarily the religious beliefs. Right. And there actually weren't very many Quaker, Quaker students or yeah. faculty members there. Right. Um, it was just kind of the Quaker spirit. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. We was very much against the culture to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Really? Yeah, so it's just kind of an interesting, like, church and state yeah. relationship kind of thing. Absolutely. And that's yeah. something that I'm... I'm fascinated by and we can definitely dive into it more if you want to but that is like a a huge like nerdy passion of mine is like church and state and you know education and private versus public and all that yeah yeah but basically what I'm hearing is there were all these traditions you were doing right and it's not that your beliefs changed but now suddenly there was meaning to them right and intention yes and that's so interesting to me. So when you were growing up, right, and you had Christmas and Easter and all these things, um, what were there any like, special memories, special family traditions tied to those? Oh, yeah. We, and uh, you know, especially because my grandparents, my mom's parents who, you know, live very close to us, they are very, you know, strong believers and practicers of uh, Catholicism. So 
you know, I do have those more concrete memories of like every year, you know, going to church, being at all of the holiday um, masses, but just on kind of a more personalized scale, you know, we would, you know, every Christmas we do, you know, Christmas Eve with my dad's side of the family, Christmas Day with my mom's side, and growing up, I just remember being so fascinated by Christmas and kind of the the story that goes along with it because when you when you think of like the you know the Christian tale behind Christmas and you know what it was and and you know it, it ends up being you know Jesus's birthday so I'm right yeah okay yeah I have to, try, I have to double check oh but, you're so, so good when it comes to like you know the actual Christian t- tradition that's that's how they define it but then like you know, modern day Christmas that is like mm. we've created this story of like so secular. You know, yeah, like yeah. Santa, the North Pole, yeah. like he comes and delivers presents, mm. like it's just he goes across the whole world, it's like in one night, it just and you know, as a kid, I will say that was like the most magical thing. Like growing up with mm. the idea of Christmas really for sure like ca- like capitalized on my childhood in a really great way. Like I remember every Christmas Eve, we would go to my dad's parents and there's this website called um, NORAD and essentially every Christmas Eve they do this, obviously, you know, it's fabricated, but they do this like tracking Santa across the- I've seen those, yeah. Oh yeah, you can like track where he goes across Mm -hmm. the world and see how many presents he's put down and you know, all those things and so I just, I have, you know, memories like that of being yeah. like, wow, this is like truly magical like mm-hmm. that, you know, I really, and of course, you know, any child who like who goes with Christmas will, you know, we believe it for a certain period of time. Yeah. And like, I just remember me being like, this is so magical. Like the fact that this like person comes and delivers all this in the so middle of the sweet. night and like he, you know one year my sister was in the hospital on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and she had gotten a bunch of presents too and I just remember being like wow like Santa even goes to the hospital like this is yeah right like I was I was infatuated and I was just like wow this is really like magical is the best way I can describe it and then you know with the Easter Bunny my other grandfather had this story that he would always tell us um now I know it was not true but Basically, it was the story that, um, you know, a few years ago, he was in the kitchen with my Auntie Megs, and they heard something coming in the house, and, you know, long story short, they they basically told the story that they had seen the Easter Bunny, and they hid under the, you know, dining room table so, so that, like, the Easter Bunny <laughs> went into them, and I remember every year being like, whenever he would tell it to my siblings, I'd be like, guys, shh, this is the best story ever. Like, <laughs> do you not know that Papa, like, had a run-in with the Easter Bunny? Like, I I really, you know, bought into these, like, ideas of, you know, Christian holidays. And I think that, I would say that as a child is where I connected with it the most was kind of, like, the magical aspect of it, where yeah. it's like, you know, this is not something that feels possible in reality but as a kid you don't you don't know and it of course you know when I was very lucky to have parents who would you know engage in like the Christmas tradition and were able to get us gifts and really make that you know Christmas morning feel as magical as like we had planned it out to be in our head so yeah I will say like as a child 
it, it did just feel like this kind of like mystical, like, you know, mysterious, like, you know, we would, we would even like leave cookies out and my, my parents would go in like in the middle of the night and eat some of them to make it look like Santa had been there. So like, you know, just, there was a lot that played into it that I guess now I don't really realize, but looking back, it, it definitely strengthened my kind of like emotional connection to these holidays for sure. Yeah. That's so cool. I love all those traditional stories and, and just that idea that it's magical. I remember when I was a kid, they would sit us down in Hebrew school and they would yeah. say, okay, you know the Santa thing's fake, but don't you dare ruin yeah. it for the Christian kids. <laughs> yeah. You'll be so, that would be so mean of you. You'll be like the neighborhood jerk, yeah. you know? Like. Wait, I never thought about the other side of it. Yeah. Because, you know, looking back, there were some kids like, and honestly, thinking back to where I grew up, I don't know that there were almost any, any Jewish students in my class. Mm-hmm. So it was this like, I mean, imagine a class where all these kids are, like, Aww. like delusionally thinking that, like, Santa, you know what I mean? I so then that. it's, like, it was very cute, but then it's, like, I never thought on the other side of it. It's, like, what are these, you know, these so many kids who don't believe in this? They probably <laughs> think this is, like, ridiculous, you know? <laughs> I, I remember I was, like, wow. You know, I, well, because honestly, and it's funny, I don't think I really knew any Christian people yeah. growing up. Because I went to a Jewish day right. school, Jewish camps, you know, yeah. I lived in a very Jewish area. Right. Um, and then I went to a school that was technically Christian in right. sixth grade, which is just an interesting transition. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, it was the first time I saw, I was 12 before mm-hmm. I saw a Christmas tree in real life. Oh my gosh. No Not way. wild. Yeah. That's awesome. But so I'm really curious about... So you have the magic of these traditions and you have this sweet story with your grandpa that I love that that really bonded you guys yeah, together. For sure. Was that, did that kind of feel like a separate thing from like CCD and church and stuff like that? Do they feel like disconnected? Absolutely. I would say, yeah, I think like the, you know, the, the magical like holiday aspects, I think, and you know, it was weird because I would like, as a kid, I remember I would wake up on Christmas morning, you know, we'd open the presents, do this breakfast, and then it would always be like, all right, now let's all get all get ready to go to church and go to mass. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I was younger and when the holidays happened, it was a lot easier to be like, okay, here's, you know, the celebration we just had, and here is what we're going to talk about in church to kind of mirror that. Because the way that mass works is, and I, I'm not like, you know, the best Roman Catholic ever. So I could be messing some of this up, but the way that it works essentially is throughout the year, the Bible follows kind of, you go in like kind of an order of stories and kind of ways that you hold mass based on like what time of year it is and how Mm -hmm. close you are to certain holiday or whatever it may be. So during the holiday times, it was easy to be like, okay, here's what I'm celebrating. Mm -hmm. And here's, you know, I'm going to also celebrate that in church. Right. But then when I was doing, because the way CCD worked was as soon as you turn, I think it's like second grade to like eighth grade. Like oh, you wow. have to do every year, you have to do it. And if you miss a year, you can't get confirmed at the right time. It's, yeah. So essentially you are doing it, you know, every week, the full academic year, and you could do it on Wednesdays, but like I had sports, couldn't do Wednesdays. So it was like Wednesday or like Sunday, Sunday 8 a.m. Yeah, so it it totally felt like this kind of separate thing of like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I I 
it feels so bad looking back, but like I remember I would go and like I would always ask my parents to skip and like I would just not be paying attention and like, you know, yeah. it just so I, I do kind of, you know, wonder a little bit like the um, the, the benefit of CCD, especially mm-hmm. I mean, for my perspective, I don't know, you know, what the the broader Christian perspective would be, but you're right. It did feel like kind of these two separate mm-hmm. things. And I was like, well, I know that I, you know, I love God and I, I right. care about being right. a good Christian and all these things, but I, I didn't necessarily at the time see the translation of like, mm-hmm. you know, why am I going to, to class to learn about this? It just, it was mm-hmm. weird because as much as it felt like a part of my day to day, it was like, I just, I, I was like, I already know this stuff, you know, yeah. which is, is weird because I didn't already know that stuff, but it felt like I, I did, if that made sense. Yeah. Did you have like a feeling of believing God, knowing who God was? I think so. I mean, I think my parents always made, it's hard because I think when you're a child and at least from my experience and like other, you know, Christian friends that I have, the way that faith is sort of introduced to you is, you know, like when when the concept of like what happens after death mm-hmm. comes up. So like for me, I remember my parents didn't kind of start off when I was young being like, all right, you know, this is the Holy Trinity. This is what we believe these are, you know, the the sacraments. These are the prayers that we follow, the, the stories of God. Like there was no kind of like formal introduction of like here is our faith and mm-hmm. here's what here's what that means for us it mm-hmm. you know looking back I remember it being more so this thing of like you know my mom was a nurse and so mm-hmm. she would sometimes come home and like you know be telling my dad stories of like maybe what happened that day mm-hmm. and there would be times where like one of us would ask like oh what happened to you know this patient mommy like oh what mm-hmm. happened and that sort of turned into this her way of explaining like well you know you know this person like didn't make it but here's what happened they went to heaven and so heaven is this and the opposite of heaven is this and you go to heaven if you're good and you go to hell if you're bad and so it kind of all stems from at least for me my my knowledge of it stemmed from this idea of like well yes this is like life that I live in but then what is what does that look like after? And I think, mm. I think in that case, um, for for at least a lot, or again, Christians that I know, I think the the concept of death and sort of becoming comfortable with it is something that's emphasized from pretty early on in Christianity. Like I remember before anything else, I just remember knowing when you know when a person dies, they go on to a better place mm. in the sky. And I remember too, I would. You know, when I would go on airplanes, I would go to Disney all the time when I was younger with my Disney-obsessed grandmother. And Aww. I remember, you know, when I would go on, pl- like, planes, I would be, like, to my siblings, like, wow, I wonder which one hev- which cloud heaven is on. Do you think we'll Aww. be able to see it? Yeah, thinking back on this now, like, I actually do have a lot of, you know, these religious memories. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember being, like, well, I-, I literally viewed it as, like, 
God literally lives up there on one of these clouds. Like sometimes when there would be a lot of clouds out, I'd be like, which one is he in today? And then, yes, which is, is really, you know, that's really powerful. I think as a child to have this understanding of like, you know, death does exist and it's something that, you know, is, is addressed and talked about within Christianity. And like, it's, you know, I remember too, from a very young age, my grandmother just, um, you know, she would, she would explain like heaven to me and be like, well, we don't know what it is, but that's, you know, that's what's so exciting about it. And, you know, I, I'm very lucky to have, you know, that grandmother still alive, but Mm -hmm. just, she has such strong faith and like, she, you know, she knows where she's going and she knows that, you know, she's off to a better place one day and that she's, you know, lived a great life. And I think that even though I don't necessarily believe in like the, the very specifics of, you know, exactly, you know, the, all the teachings and the the stories of Christianity, I think that is what sticks with me the most. This idea of like, you know, if you do good by yourself and by God and by others, you will eventually go on to, you know, a better, more beautiful place. And I think as somebody with really bad anxiety like myself, I have definitely found a lot of consolation in this idea of heaven. So I think in present day, that's where my biggest, um, my biggest ties to Christianity lie is this, this explanation for like what comes after and comfort. Right. And there's, you know, as I've gotten older, there's been so many instances where, and you know, everyone feels this way, but where something will happen and you just think to yourself, like if, if, you know, I've said to myself so many times, like, if God is real, why would this, why would this happen to me or to, you know, you know, when my uncle passed away, I was like, if God, you know, why would God want something so like, why, why would God plan for this? And it, it kind of, I've kind of shifted my perspective a little bit to like, you know, no, you know, heaven is not a place to like run away from. It's like, if, if heaven is ready for you, like you will, you will go. And that's kind of the, the way I comfort myself now, you know, doesn't, doesn't always work to soothe my, my worst anxieties, but it, as I've gotten older, it's, that's, what's become very important to me is like, you know, what's going to happen after this life. And like, how can I make sure that I am the best in this one and, you know, set myself up for the best possible, like heavenly experience that I can. So that really shows up for you, like on the day to day, like how can I be good to other people, be good to myself? Yeah, I would say so. And I think that's especially come into, you know, my life a bit more this semester as I've, you know, developed this or as I've taken on this role of passive president. And I think, you know, I don't, you know, when I'm going about my day to day, you're right. It is this voice in my head. Mm being like, okay, how can I be the best? How can I serve mm-hmm. others and, you know, serve myself, you know, the, to the best of my abilities. And, mm. you know, I never really identify that as like, you know, I, I guess I don't intend, like, I don't realize like where that's coming from, but yeah. you know, when I really think about it, it, I think it is coming from my, my upbringing mm-hmm. where like, you know, I was, I was taught that, you know, from my parents, from my grandparents in church, in CCD, like really kind of what they, they try to hit home is like, 
you know, be a good person on earth and like good will, will come after. And like, you know, when you go to heaven, your family will be taken care of and you'll be able to, you know, look down on them and, and make sure, you know, they're okay and all that. So yeah, when I, when I go about my day to day, I don't think of it as like, a, you know, God's talking to me necessarily, but it, 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 on a broader scale, that's what it, it does feel like. It feels like I'm kind of being guided by this, this, this like desire to kind of be, you know, and I don't know what I identify God as necessarily, but I know that like when I do, you know, pass on, I want to be in whatever this place is that he's created for us. Um, yeah. So I, I would say I kind of feel that like, you know, I don't realize that it's, that it's coming from my faith, but it, it most certainly is when I kind of think about it deep down. It's a powerful realization. And I'm sure it's also just linked to your family and, you know, right. people who've been role models and heroes and Absolutely. inspiration to you. So it's like, is it religious? Is it family? Is it both? Yeah, I think it's, yeah. I think it's everything. And, you know, as I said, my grandmother was and still is a very strong practicer of Catholicism. And so I think you know, from that young age, like from hearing her and my mom kind of mix in these life lessons with Christianity, it's like, you know, like in teaching me how to be a a woman and a good person, they kind of, it was kind of sprinkled in with this like Christianity touch. So it's like, you know, you know, it's like as a woman be like kind and, and thoughtful and, you know, gentle and all these things. And then it would kind of be like so that you can eventually go to heaven. It's mm. like, you know, here's how to be a good person so that you can, you know, go to heaven Such one day. Such an emphasis on that, yeah. Right, and, you know, not, it, there would never, which I think is very important, there would never be this emphasis on like, well, if you don't go to heaven, you're going to hell. Like, if you're and, bad. Yeah, right, yeah. there's never... There's no guilting. This, Exactly. Never this like, well, if you don't fit into this exclusive group of like mm-hmm. people going to heaven, you're you're going to hell. No, it was like not at all like that. It was more so, you know It's like aspirational. Yes, like yeah. heaven is is actually like anybody can go and you're in this constant pursuit of like, you know, making yourself better to yeah. you know, get there. And I think that is something that I really benefited from as well. Like the fact that my Christian faith was like handed to me with a lot of freedom I think is something that I really appreciate and like now being able to look back and like create my own relationship with it and you know my parents always said once you guys get confirmed you can decide you know what you want to do if you want to keep pursuing it whatever that may look like for you and you know after I was confirmed I kind of took a step back and was like okay you know is this is this what I believe? Is this what I feel drawn to? And, you know, I think even though now it's not like, it's not a part of my like, you know, weekly routine, like it still is almost affecting me in a bigger way where it's kind of guiding me in this direction of like being a good person. And, you know, I'm still in this pursuit of figuring out, you know, do I want to really commit myself to a religion again? Do I want to explore other traditions? You know, when I have my own family, what do I want to instill in them? And I, 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 right now I have no clue. And I think I'm just kind of letting this 
you know, the one thing that I do know is that I, I do believe in, you know, an afterlife and like mm-hmm. a, in being, you know, good now to, to have it good later, I think is like my, that's what's driving me. And I don't know, you know, I, it definitely is because of Christianity, but I, you know, I don't know how that's going to manifest mm-hmm. over the future. So interesting. And then when you came to college, do you think any of your beliefs kind of changed or shifted? Um, I think, I think so. I think, um, you know, I didn't have like the, the best freshman year experience and like, especially, you know, senior year of high school. And, you know, I, I think at that period in my life, I was dealing with a lot of like, if God is real, then why is this happening? What's and, going on? Yeah. Like yeah. how, how can things be so horrible for me? Like if, if I'm supposed to be protected and like looked out for by this greater presence. And so I think, you know, that in that transitionary period, I, if anything felt a little bit more disconnected from my faith than I ever had been, but I, yeah. So I guess when I came to Lafayette, I, had never taken a religion class before, ended up taking um, anthropology of religion with Professor Blunt, and I just remember being, you know, like absolutely infatuated, not necessarily by, you know, the, the specifics of what different groups practice, but just the fact that different things were being practiced across different groups of people, and, you know, I was fascinated with that class, absolutely loved it, and then eventually decided to switch my major to religion and politics because I had kind of figured like, you know, I'm already taking classes in this and I love it. So why not just, you know, take the plunge? Yeah. Why not just do it? And I am so glad that I did. And it was honestly like the best decision ever. And, you know, I will say since something that I wanted to talk about and kind of hear your perspective on is like, I think at least I would say, I think there's a little bit of a stigma in like, you know, like I was always worried, like, okay, this is what I'm passionate about, religion and politics, but like, how is it going to look to, you know, on my diploma to have like yeah. religion front and center? You know, I've always, <laughs> and I've gotten a lot better yeah. about it now, but at first I was like, you know, this is in the world that we live in where like, you know, finance and law and medicine and, and those things are really emphasized. It's like, I almost felt a little nervous to like jump into, you know, a a more niche field like this. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'm curious what your experience like was kind of, have you ever gotten any like, you know, when someone asks you your major, have you ever told them and gotten like a a weird look or something like that? Oh yeah. You know, (laughs) it's so funny. And first of all, thanks for asking. You're my first interview ever to ask me a question. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah, I love it. I, I love this. Wow, thank you. Yeah. yeah, I have so many thoughts. I, For one, I do feel like there's this idea that's so pervasive in yeah. our culture that religion and politics are somehow separate from the rest of our being. Yeah. And I hear people say it all the time, like, don't bring up religion or politics at family gatherings or when you're meeting someone new. It's a divider. And it's like, no, if anything, yeah, like bring it up. It's, bring it up. I want to know that's yeah. at the core of who someone right. is. Absolutely. But yeah, it's so stigmatized. And when I think about what you were just saying, that it it was your moral guide and your compass. Yeah. Like, 
that's your heart yeah that plays into who you are as a person how you interact with the world like why why should that ever be anything to be silenced right you know and i i think it's such a thing of people think that for example religion and science can't coincide right or that somehow a religious person can't be an academic and can't be smart yeah and I think, honestly, by having conversations like this and being who we are, mm-hmm. we're fighting that stigma. Yeah, and absolutely. I think it's so important that we're getting our degree yeah. because we're saying this is something worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. This is something meaningful. We're contributing to the world. And I don't know. I just think there are so many people who think the same things we do but yeah. won't say it out loud absolutely. because they're too afraid of what people think. Yeah. We're being genuine and authentic, and that's brave. Yeah. That's something to be proud of. No, I so agree. I yeah. think, too, that's, like, a good point of, you know, that's those are the two things that people always say is, like, don't bring up this right. and this. Right. And it's like, well. That's everything. That's, it's everything for us, right? So <laughs> it's, it's everything like, interesting. Yeah. And, yeah. But, you know, when you, when you explain it that way of, like, you know, you're, if someone is raised religious, like, that is a very, very fundamental part of like who they become and I think you know like Paul like I think they you know they you can't have right it's like you can't have one without the other and like you can't have church without state so it's like you can't and you we can't have them together but we can't have them too far apart because you know what I mean it's just this crazy yeah. jumble of like you know how do we make sense of these two these two things that are like so central to us but like you said people try to just divorce it from the rest of their personality and it's like if we were to Mm -hmm. you know if we were to do that to all the things that make us different from one another we would be so boring yeah we would all not talk to each other and just you know what i mean be these like carbon copies yeah right so it's like Mm -hmm. what actually is is so special about us is the fact that we have all these differences and I think like a, the the most lacking skill that people have nowadays is like the ability to sit down with somebody who is nothing like them mm-hmm. and you know chat and try to figure out ways that they are like rather yeah. than just like going back and forth about how they're so dissimilar like use Where's those differences you? yeah it's like use those differences to to really have critical like thoughtful conversations and get to know each other like we shouldn't just be you know as a christian you know when i come across a you know for example like you as a as a jew i'm not going to be like oh well i'm christian and she's jewish and therefore you know we we couldn't have anything in common and like what's the point of even of even trying it's like well actually like let's talk about you know what's similar about judaism and christianity and like how there are similarities and how absolutely Yes, there are differences, but it's like, you know, we should be excited when we meet people of different mm-hmm. faiths and backgrounds, not, you know, not view it as like an, an intimidating, you know, factor to our own beliefs, you know? I love that. And it's funny because I'm having two interesting thoughts right now. Mm-hmm. I, for one, you know, to the point about, you know, separating out religion and politics from the rest of who we yeah. are, even if someone doesn't grow up with an organized religion... Yeah it still falls into the same category. I've interviewed a lot of people who are atheists, agnostics. That still is a definer for them. That's still a core part of their identity that I think people still don't feel comfortable talking about. And it's just, it's interesting to me because, right, I think 
certainly talking about our similarities is so important and people mm-hmm. don't do that enough and they use people historically have used religion and politics to divide right so now that's the common association yeah. and it's like there is so much we have in common but not only that you know our differences are great yeah and they're worth celebrating i think about two core memories actually just from this past week mm-hmm. um on sunday I went to Easter Mass. Okay, how was that? It was so cool. I really enjoyed it. I went with um, one of my best friends and my Mm -hmm. roommate in Hillel, Anna. Shout out, Anna. And to her church in Mm -hmm. Easton. And it was wonderful. You know, I loved the music. Mm -hmm. And I noticed the similarities. I noticed allusions to the Passover story Mm -hmm. and allusions to things taught in Jewish law. But then I was also struck by... Wow, you know, I was I was hit by the holy water. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's right. very different. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, actually, yeah. But I was thinking about the symbolism of that and what does mm-hmm. that mean? You know, to purify yourself in a different way that mm-hmm. I don't do. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. I love that we're different. Yeah. Because right, if we were all the same, you know, we'd we'd never learn about any new culture. Right. We wouldn't be open to the world. Right. And I just, I think appreciating both is so cool. Like we have so much more in common than we realize, but also how cool are those differences? Yeah, absolutely. I think like, cause we've talked about, and we, we discussed this in our, you know, religion class a few weeks ago, like what, you know, what actually like is religion? Like what is, what does it even mean? And I think for me, the way that I kind of perceive it is like, how an individual understands the world like yes, is, is exactly. their religion so you know like you said for atheists like even if they don't believe in a god or a figure it's like okay well they have some formulation of you know how the world was created mm-hmm. whether it be through science or you know some other other story that they have to explain it it's like you know and then even further it's like you know everybody has their own perception and understanding of how to be and how to act and how to treat others and Mm -hmm. and all those things and at the at the end of the day it's all just like you know a personalized interpretation on like how to be a human basically and like you know what is the common thread through all of that like we're all we're all humans like we all I think I think that's that's what people forget is like, you know, yes, we have our religious identities and our ethnic and racial identities, but really like what it boils down to is like, we are all humans first and like, you know, yes, that'll be the title. We are all yeah. humans first. Like, truly like we, yeah. you know, and then that's when, you know, we're human and then that's when all those other identifiable characteristics come in but at the end of the day we are you know humans trying to understand our worlds in a way that makes sense for us and like you know this this humanity aspect is I think where we need to meet each other not like you know just yeah just like starting at the the beginning of who we are like in you know we're all the same same species that was all put here you know by you know whatever whatever god we believe in that put us here or whatever you know scientific reasoning put us here whatever it may be we're all here and we all are are humans we have the same you know the same body and the same air to breathe it's like it's really just what we make of it and like you know you could you know what like why uh, like a metaphor i think of is like 
you know, why judge somebody for pursuing a different career than you? It's like we're all just right. we're all just in pursuit of of being Thank humans you. in different ways. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, we can, you know, who is even like when we when you get into like the the topics of like, you know, sexuality for example, it's like mm-hmm. why, you know, why like just because somebody has chosen a different path or has a different path on like how to be a human like their kind Mm of their way that they go about it's like at the end of the day we're all living a human life and Mm -hmm. you know dying a human death so it's like what you know what what does it matter what we do in between and like what those differences are as long as people aren't hurting one another I Mm -hmm. think it's like just let everyone do their own thing you know I think that's my that's what I believe and I don't know what religion that is yet or what that falls into yet but I think most of them yeah like whatever lets people just do their own thing and like have freedom and take care of each other and be nice like that's that's what I want you know right and in my mind it's like you think about Greek mythology Mm -hmm. right why was that a thing and it was because People had these questions they couldn't answer, yeah. and they wanted answers. Right. And in addition to that, it's like people, right, it's the burden of being human. Yeah. And it's like, how do we navigate these challenges? How do we navigate relationships right. and people and these things? I often describe our relationship, and especially our relationship and my psych major, mm-hmm. people ask me you know, why I put those two things yeah. together. I say it's basically, why are people the way they are? Yeah. You know, that's all it is because really, right. At the end of the day, it's people trying to figure it out any way they know how. And a lot of times that's influenced by family, friends, community, and that's all part of it. Yeah. But I think a lot of times I've seen people use elements from different religions Mm -hmm. and that's what works for them. Right. You know, for example, for me, I don't know that I, I still... I don't know how much I still believe this, but when I went to a Quaker school, mm-hmm. I was very immersed in those values, and I really enjoyed meeting for worship, which was mm-hmm. a practice where you sat in silence for 40 minutes a week, mm-hmm. and it was very centering, and you just listened internally. Yeah. And, you know, that's I, I'm very in touch with my Judaism. It's everything to me. Yeah. But I really loved that Quaker right. practice, and I would look forward to it, mm-hmm. and I miss it. And it's like that is the balance that worked for me. Yeah. And everyone's just trying to figure out what's going to help them. Mm -hmm. And I loved what you were saying earlier about your anxiety and Mm -hmm. parts of your Catholic upbringing helps help to comfort you. Definitely. Yeah. And still to this day, I mean, a big, you know, big source of my anxiety is like, oh my gosh, like what is going to happen to, you know, my grandparents, to my parents, to me when my, you know, when that time comes in. I also, you know, have dealt with, like, certain tragedies where, you know, somebody has died unexpectedly or for, like, a horrible reason, and it, like, there's, the the human response to that is to be, like, why? You know, why is this happening? And I think for me, as somebody who already has anxiety and just deals with that anyways, I think this idea of, like, well, well, where do we go? Like, that kind of became a question Mm -hmm. that... I really hyper fixated on and Mm -hmm. just in that moment of you know of anxiety I think my person that I go to is my my grandmother and I kind of say to her like you know I really really worry about like what what things look like beyond like beyond this life and you know almost every time she's met me with like 
you know, a calm response, smile on her face, and this willingness to describe like her understanding of what heaven is. And, you know, even, even if there's some parts that I don't exactly, you know, I don't, the, the believability of it all is like a little bit, it's like 99% for me. I'm not fully there, but mm-hmm. just the, this idea of like, okay, well, if you treat people well, then you will, you know, go to heaven. And when you're in heaven, it's going to be like, you know, beautiful, everything you could ever imagine. It's like, you know, catered to like your passions and your, your, mm. you know, once you go there, you'll see like family members that you've lost and you'll be able to look over, you know, your family members that are still on earth, all these things like that pretty much for me, like would, would check a box of like, okay, if I couldn't have this life on earth, what would I want? And I think that's mm-hmm. what that's what the is so intriguing about this concept of heaven is like is to me is like that you know even though this is something that I'm anxious about and you know I worry I can kind of be like okay well what do I want what would I like you know what would the ideal for my anxiety what would be the most ideal beautiful outcome possible that would soothe my anxiety about all this and then the great thing about heaven is nobody has any idea what it's actually like so I'm able to kind of you know take those that little like story that I've constructed on my ideal heaven and and really project that onto what I think it's going to be and yeah it's created or it's allowed for this very like you know personalized like you know intimate like kind of individual definition of what heaven is or it's going to be for me you know love that yeah yeah that just provides this great source of spirituality comfort you know sureness in in this crazy world where you're never sure of anything you know i'm wondering are there other things you've found here that kind of give you that peace of mind at lafayette yeah um yeah i i don't know i think it's definitely been you know for me like my my faith is, you know, it's not necessarily going to be reignited by walking into a church and you sure. know, going to a mass and, you know, something like that. For me, the way that I kind of reinstate my, and I guess I don't do it, but the way that faith is like reinstated in myself mm-hmm. is usually, you know, an example that I can think of when I'm here is like, I, you know, the cherry blossoms have started blooming and like truthfully like when I walk past those like that is a moment for me to you know and I don't immediately think of like you know my my relationship with God when I see those things but that that I would consider my faith and kind of seeing you know seeing those trees blooming being like okay like the you know it was just winter but things are things are blooming again and there's a fresh start and there's you know there's a new season to be a new and better person and I think like yeah kind of kind of like without realizing it I think you know I do I do kind of fall back on my faith a little bit Mm -hmm. when I'm here and kind of when things you know aren't going well I will try to remind myself of like you know all those times before where things were so horrible and I would ask myself Mm -hmm. like why would this happen if if there's a god and then i think back to like you know 
a few months after that where something, you know, things really fall into place and I just think to myself, like, you know, thank you, God, like, thank you for what you've done. Like, there's, it's, it's this very, like, back and forth stage of, like, either feeling kind of super hopeless or feeling you know, super grateful and thankful for mm-hmm. God. And I'm trying to work on filling in the, the in-betweens and yeah. try, like trying to be grateful. In the gray area. All, yes, exactly. All of the time. And not, mm-hmm. you know, only asking for help when I am really doing poorly versus, you know, only saying thank you when I'm doing really well. I really, mm-hmm. that's something that I want to learn to like fill in the, the middle ground. But I would say when I'm at college, it's definitely a little bit hard for me to to do so and in that case I kind of just will rely on like the little things like you know like wing day like literally it's like yeah. the stupidest small things it's that I'm stupid. like you know just like like seeing the, the cherry blossoms just yeah. small things like that that kind of reinstate this feeling of like you know everything's gonna be okay and I mm-hmm. guess I guess you know that is a pretty broad saying that a lot of people you know it's broad for a reason yeah you know. and for me though the interpretation of like, you know, why is everything going to be okay? Well, it's because, you know, God has a plan for everyone. And, you know, even though, you know, I think for a lot of Christians, like the way that they express their belief is like, you know, they'll be stressed and they'll be like, oh, let me, let me check like, you know, this Bible verse number, this one, this one, and this is exactly how I'm feeling. But for me, it's more so built into like these broader life lessons of like, Mm -hmm here's how to be and here's how to act and here's how to treat people and you know it's all going to be fine because you know you're being taken care of is yeah yeah, that's that's kind of my my take on that that's beautiful yeah of course and it makes me think back to well just these little happy moments Mm -hmm. and these moments i love what you said about the cherry blossoms Mm -hmm. and renewal like a new start is that kind of how you felt with PASA? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I joined PASA my freshman year and um, did so for a few different reasons. I think the biggest being that, you know, because of experiences that I had, I was really seeking to kind of take back my power in places where it had previously been lost from myself or from you know a friend or somebody that I knew and that was really my intention behind joining and then you know over the years like COVID happened I took a semester off um the school implemented a new peer education program you know sort of a bunch of different things happened and it had been a while since I had really had my foot in the door with PASA and then you know, at the end of last semester, something just came over me and I was like, you know, like our presidents were graduating and they were Mm -hmm. kind of like not resigning, but they were stepping down for their last semester. And I just kind of thought to myself, like, well, why not run for passing president? Why not just do it? Yeah, literally my (laughs) turn on moment, like why not? And I did. And I actually found out while I was in the ER um, that I got one pass a president. It was, oh yeah, it was this whole thing. That's but wild. Yeah, found out that I won. Were you okay? Totally fine. That's yeah, I was bad. literally fine. But um, found out that I had won. And, you know, from that moment, I had been placing a lot of pressure on myself. I was like, mm. you know, I need to 
just one as like the, a role model for the message that PASA stands for. I was like, I need to, this is so important to me and right. I need to every single second do the best that I possibly can. And, mm. you know, I, I also had just felt this pressure of like, I need to make sure PASA, you know, stays running and like doesn't get, you know, shut down by admin or by like lack of engagement, whatever it may be. I just was like, putting so much pressure on myself. And I remember every day I would make like to-do lists, to-do lists. I, my biggest thing with this presidency has been, you know, I am going to make sure I'm gonna, because when you're an exec member on a club here, as I'm sure you know, like you, you, get, you get some privileges, you get some ins, you get, you know, some catered lunches, you it's get- It's a platform. Yeah, it's you get platform. access to, you know, certain things and I, have really just, you know, made sure that above all else, I am being, I am protecting our students to the best of my ability. And I think that that, you know, for a while I had thought like, oh, in order to, to, you know, serve people the best, I have to be doing a million different things and creating all these different initiatives. But, you know, over time, I kind of realized like, well, okay, what does it mean to truly serve others? Right. It means to, you know, have relationships with them, have mm-hmm. intimate connections with them, be able to, you know, I want to be able to like count my commitments on one hand because I feel like if I can't do that, then I, I can't keep track of all of them, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's where I've kind of, I've been focusing on really like strengthening the quality of the the initiatives that I'm taking on and the relationships that I'm making with people rather than quantity yes just trying to take on so much because you know I I could like the the issue of sexual assault does have a lot of you know areas that need to be addressed and need to be talked about and researched and all those things and I think that's how I'm kind of keeping myself calm as being like okay this this path of me you know being an advocate will work itself out right now I just need to you know really protect my fellow students like that's that's what matters right now and that that's what I, I can you know as as corny as it sounds like I can that's what I feel like truly feel like is guiding me like I can you know I I feel like in some way you know this is kind of God telling me, like, here is what... This is your purpose. Yeah, like, this is what you're supposed to be doing right now. Yeah. And, you know, that's been kind of reinforced every day this semester, just being like, okay, I am am on the right path. I am doing the right thing. And even, like, you know, meeting you, like, through my... Seriously, like, through our class, like, I would not have... I mean, I knew Zubair before, but I would have never gotten, like, so much closer to you guys. And, like, you know, I've been like stepping out of my shell with like you know my social scene and stuff and just like my academic interests I've been really taking risks and like you know all of those you know it it really allows me to be able to look back on the horrible things that happened in my first two years Mm -hmm. here and and you know there was a plan yeah that answers you know the question that I had back then of like you know why why would God let this happen like I I now feel like I have the answer to it and I feel like that answer is like that had to happen so that you could you know figure this stuff out and be on this path now and have all these great friends and this great community and Mm -hmm. and all that so you know even though it's not this like physical like you know day-to-day relationship that I have with Christianity I will say 
it has been a profound one and it has been one that you know I maybe didn't even realize how important it was until like I sat down to talk about it now you know so like it's beautiful I love this I love this podcast everyone (laughs) I am the biggest fan of this podcast and I clean my room with listening to it on my airpods so um yeah definitely like comment and subscribe (laughs) like seriously everybody so sweet I feel like that that was like a good closing note to yeah well absolutely and I I think it's so true you know because it's so stigmatized we were talking about earlier a lot of times people don't know their own connections to it I think that's such a common thing and I just I love what you said about how it really manifests in your everyday life and maybe when you have doubts like everybody does Mm -hmm. and when you have a hard day you think there's all yeah. a plan there's all a reason yeah I love that it's I know beautiful. it is it is you know and of course with anxiety and mental health issues like there are going to be days where like I like if I were feeling so down and somebody were to send me sometimes my mom does like Pinterest quotes I don't know if your mom does that like, yeah yeah <laughs> so sometimes like I'll be having the worst day and like there will be times I have to admit where like my mom will send me a little gift being like you can do it like God ha- like there everything happens for a reason and there will be sometimes don't get me wrong where I'm like oh my god shut up I don't want to see a stupid quote you know what I mean like I this quote is useless I hate it I don't want to see it yeah but like you know that's that's part of mental health is like you know being you know having difficulty seeing things for how they are sometimes and I think just being able to, even though sometimes it gets lost in translation, just on this broader scale, being able to start and end my my days with like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. even if today is horrible, tomorrow's, tomorrow's a new, new one. Yeah. yeah. Right? Oh, that's so beautiful. My grandma would always say that. Really? Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. It's so, it's so important. And it's so this theme of, well, if you didn't have the bad days, you'd never appreciate yeah. the good ones. Absolutely. Yeah. Wait, that's really sweet that you're... Was your grandmother, like, a big quotes girl? An inspirational quotes woman? Yeah. Specifically that one. That is... Okay, that's what makes it even more special. That's That's so special. Like, I can't... The only other one I can really... I really associate, she would say, write it down. Anything would happen to you. Write it down. Wow. Wait, oh my gosh. (laughs) That's, like, not how my grandmother is, but Connor's grandmother, who also passed away about two years ago... She was the same exact way, and she would always say, Spooky. "Yeah, well, it's like you guys. Imagine you guys have the same grandmother. Surprise, surprise, okay. cousin. <laughs> yeah, right. But she was the same way. She would always say to Connor and his cousins, you know, make sure you keep all my writing. She was like, I want you guys to type it up and and keep it for when I pass away. And so they're in the process now of like transferring everything to like digital copies so that it never goes anywhere. And I think that is you know that's that's huge like just to be able to and you know side note like on that point I have you know a journal that I've had I I try to try to like cycle through new ones like every couple years when I finish one up but like when I go back and look at them like I really will think to myself like oh my gosh I would have never remembered that yeah I would have never thought of that ever again if I didn't see that just now so it's Mm -hmm. like and I think that's that's what's like I want to remember every single little detail about life yeah. when I'm older and you know don't have the the freedom and the health to to do whatever I want I want to remember it all so I think like 
really writing it down and like we're so lucky too to live in a time of like pictures obviously you know technology kind of sucks sometimes but like on the you know the the broadest scale like I think we are so lucky to have pictures you know and, and videos and texting and like being able to you know get a hold of each other so quickly I think obviously and we we should do a whole other episode on like <laughs> on technology and all I'd that love it. I think like I think in in the theme of appreciating like the beauty and everything, I think, you know, the the immediacy or like the the accessibility to memories and like writing them down and like documenting them, I think is something really beautiful that we're a part of right now and something that I try to take advantage of, you know. Right. I think that's a very yeah. spiritual idea. Of like, I want to remember everything that nurtured yeah. my spirit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I try, and that's why I have, like, 30,000 pictures on my phone Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, this, everything nurtures my spirit. You know what Aww. I mean? Like, this sunset, this, like, picture of my dog, this, like, picture of the cherry blossoms. Like, you know, literally just a picture of me, like, doing a duck face <laughs> yeah. on the way to class. I'm like, oh, this, so is, this is good for the soul. Like, I have to save that, you know? And just, like, seeing that in as many things as possible I think yeah. that's what it's all about like so true. you know using like I keep looking at these little tiny little miniature like two inch by two inch so paintings pretty, right? yes yeah. <laughs> and I'm like oh my gosh like that is it's like making my day like seeing those little yeah. little paintings so really just like I think finding as many small things as possible to like enhance the day-to-day I think that's all like all that matters you know yeah so true yeah well thank you so much i love this we just this was like we you could not have found like an an easier person to do this with i love talking i love talking i feel like we could do like a five hour episode yeah and you know what i think i would like to interview you for like like switch the tables like next weekend or something i would love that i think you deserve to have your own little like episode where you talk about your experiences seriously like so sweet yeah and like i i noticed you have like i kind of know the questions you ask by now from the ones that i've watched so like i could (laughs) a couple key key points to hit yeah i could so I would so do that, like, with you. Would you be wow, interested? Wow, that would be amazing. Would it be nice to just get on the other side of it? And yeah. Like, obviously, I could give it back to you to edit, but, like, I could ask the questions next time. What's want. funny is um, the person I created this podcast with, oh, you, shout out, Morgan. Did you do an interview with her? Well, I interviewed her before she graduated. She right. was a senior and I was a freshman. And she said that she would come back and interview me at some point. Hasn't happened yet. Okay. So well, I think we maybe need to I do think that. I have to. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. That would <laughs> yeah, be so great. That would be so fun. It. Stay tuned for that. Yeah, should we-